My name is Michael Hildebrand, and I am the director of the Upstate Mobility Alliance. We are a nonprofit focused on making the Upstate of South Carolina a vibrant and connected region in the areas of transportation and mobility. Today, we have Ben Kessler, Landon Masters, and Eva James with Palmetto Clean Fuels Coalition with us. Good morning, everyone. Thank you for being here. Good morning. Thank you for having us, Michael. So first, why don't we just start, uh, we'll do introductions. Landon, why don't you go first? So my name is Landon Masters, and I am the Community Outreach and Communications Manager for the South Carolina Office of Regulatory Staff, um, in which the Energy Office is housed, and an initiative of the Energy Office is Palmetto Clean Fuels. Ben. Yeah, hi everybody. My name is Ben Kessler. I am the Clean Transportation Specialist within the Energy Office and also Coordinator of Palmetto Clean Fuels. I've been with the Energy Office now for a little bit over a year and a half. Um, And originally, Landon Masters was, um, I was working alongside him. So uh, it's good to see his face again. Eva? Good morning, everyone. My name is Eva James. I'm the Clean Cities intern for the Energy Office. And I started under Landon um, just about a year ago today. And now I work under Ben and help them with their initiatives and projects that we got going on. So why don't we start just by telling us about the Palmetto Clean Fuels Coalition, you know, when were you established? Where is your office located? What's the purpose of the organization? Linda, do you maybe want to take a first stab at that? I will, yeah. So I, I mentioned that the Palmetto Clean Fuels Coalition is an initiative of the South Carolina Energy Office, which is then housed within the larger state agency, the Office of Regulatory Staff, um, or ORS. And ORS is the state agency that represents the public interests of consumers for electric, natural gas, telecommunications, transportation, water, wastewater, so many things of utility regulation. Um, And they also have responsibility, we also have responsibility for railroad safety, natural gas pipeline safety. So um, transportation in the the form of clean transportation um, is housed within our energy office. And that is with the Palmetto Clean Fuels Coalition Um, The Energy Office is the energy planning entity for the state and um, promotes the efficient use of all energy sources, um, encourages things like energy efficiency, renewable energy, and then clean transportation. Um, As I mentioned, Palmetto Clean Fuels represents that clean transportation uh, portion of the Energy Office's mission. And Ben can tell you a little bit more about the history of PCF. Yeah. So we were established um, back in 2004, actually. We are nearly one of 100 uh, U.S. Department of Energy recognized clean city coalitions around the state. Um, Some others are housed within uh, council of governments or within nonprofits. We're within a state government. Um, And some actually are just limited to a city or a region uh, within the state. And we oversee the whole state. So we are kind of the prime entity to all Um, alternative fuel um, and advanced technologies uh, for vehicles in South Carolina. Um, Additionally, uh, one of our big purposes is to bring together stakeholders across the state um, to try to collaborate and educate each other um, and new uh, contacts about alternative fuels and how we can integrate those um, within South Carolina. So what are some of the specific areas that you focus on? Yeah, so I think that's a really good question. And I think a, a really overarching theme is technology integration. Um, we really try to help public and private fleets as, as well as individuals to really um, implement alternative fuels 
within their fleets. Um, this is done really through what we call kind of an A fleet analysis where we take in their fleet data and try to find um, better options for them to switch to, to not only um, improve air quality, but reduce petroleum consumption and lower fuel costs. So it's better for the wallet too. We also promote uh, idle reduction and fuel economy measures. Like you're working on vehicle mile travel uh, reductions and bicycle and pedestrian efforts. Um, we sponsor some pro we have sponsored some programs in the low country that have led to some bike share programs. Um, so it's been really cool to see that develop. Uh, we also recognize people um, for their for their importance in the alternative fuel app uh, arena. Um, so one of those ways is the Green Fleet Leader Award. This is kind of our common uh, clean fuels way of recognizing fleets that have um, been making a transition to alternative fuels, improving air quality, and like I said, lowering fuel costs. That's one of the ways we recognize uh, fleets. Um, our most recent one was Gotcha Bikes in Charleston. Um, it was really cool. We were able to present their award at a city council meeting with the mayor. Um, and a really interesting story was a utility company that was using propane um, in their bucket truck. So they were able to get out during storms and repair uh, down telephone lines with propane trucks rather than waiting in line for diesel and gas. And then we also have our Hubcap newsletter. If you're interested in hearing about great things and ongoing uh, events and initiatives in the state, uh, be sure to visit palmettocleanfuels.org and sign up for the newsletter. So let me add, just ask a, a question about uh, gas. So, so you're part of a state agency. And one of the discussions that we're having right now is as, as we look to move to more um, efficient modes of transportation and alternative fuels and, and those types of things, we also recognize that that, that actually will uh, reduce the, the revenue that the Department of Transportation receives from that gas tax. Has there been any discussion about how to mitigate that um, and, and are there any um, examples that you could share about how some of that mitigation is already starting to happen? Yes, yes. So that has been a very large discussion within the clean transportation community is, you know, this gas tax um, that is, is thought to be lost from, you know, the adoption of alternative fuels. Specifically, I'll say with electric vehicles, um, that's a very big discussion. So across the country, states are tackling this in a very, you know, varied ways. Um, some states are adopting um, a road use fee like we have here in South Carolina, which is a flat fee. Um, it's a bi-yearly um, fee for, for us here in South Carolina. And, um, and it varies in, in price among all the states. Some are as high as, you know, over $300, I think in Georgia um, to, you know, lower than that, but it varies. And then some other states um, have been looking into um, a vehicle miles traveled fee. Um, that could be something, you know, in the future that we would look at, at um, going to where, you know, the tax that you would pay would be based on the amount of miles that you would drive. I think that's a little bit more of a long-term goal that people are discussing. Um, there really hasn't been one way that um, has stood out among the rest or one price that people have put on that. So that's something that people are still trying to figure out. So give us a sense of how South Carolina is doing in adopting clean fuels. Uh, any particular alternative fuels that are more popular than others or any you know, kind of best practices that you want to share? Yeah, I think um, those are all good questions. And recently our 2019 Clean Cities report was published um, by the Department of Energy. So um, anyone who wants to really dive into the data can go on to energy.gov and find this report. But um, we've really been doing pretty good with alternative fuels. Um, 
it should be said that every fuel has its own little niche. Um, you know, not every fuel, an alternative fuel can replace another uh, gas or diesel vehicle, but there are opportunities to replace those. Um, and where we can, we really push forward for those. So since 2009, we've offset almost 37 million gallons um, through the use of alternative fuels and through idle reduction um, and fuel economy improvements. Now I'll say we are the only ones who track this data. Um, it's a completely voluntary process. So I completely expect that number to be higher. If you do use alternative fuels in your fleet, this is kind of a call for you to send us your data. If you're willing, we will record it. Um, it can be anonymized and we can actually show the full breadth of alternative fuel use in our state. Um, but like I said, we've offset 37 million, almost 37 million gallons since 2009. Um, just last year, over 7.5 million gallons. You asked about what type of fuels are being used. So um, first of all, most of these fuels are being used in on-road and off-road vehicles. About almost 85% are being, um, are, are actual fuels being put in vehicles rather than uh, kind of idle reduction technologies and power units and stuff like that. In terms of fuel use, we, we've been pretty, pretty good on all fronts. Um, there's good hydrogen use, there's good natural gas use, good biodiesel, ethanol. Um, and I will say we're fuel agnostic here at Palmetto Clean Fuels. We don't um, push for any one fuel. We, like, like I said, we recognize each fuel has its own little niche. Um, so we, we, we like to see every fuel um, be up on this pie chart that we have. So it's, it's glad to, I'm glad to see that we have good representation from all fuels. I know uh, here in, in the upstate, um, I drive by a natural gas filling station regularly, and I'm, I'm always surprised at the cost per gallon of that fuel compared to, to regular gasoline. Uh, and when I worked for the sheriff's office, we had we started implementing natural gas vehicles and I remember the cost savings just alone was pretty substantial. So it's a, it's a, that's one of the ones that I'm familiar with at least, but I think it's a, a great program. So kind of in line with that, I've heard about the alternative fuel corridors project. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about that and, and then where are some of those corridors that you've identified? Yes. The alternative fuel corridors project was something that South Carolina was um, on the forefront of. We were the, on the leading cutting edge, which is really something that we are uh, excited to be able to say. And back in 2016, the U.S. Department of Transportation, the Federal Highway Administration, um, asked for states to nominate uh, these alternative fuel corridors. Um, and the fuels were electric vehicles, charging, you know, hydrogen, propane, and natural gas. Um, this was part of the last transportation um, reauthorization bill, the Fixing America's Surface Transportation Act, or the FAST Act. And we actually submitted that nomination for the major interstates in South Carolina to be nominated as alternative fuel corridors. Um, the Federal Highway Administration um, analyzed what we had submitted and then designated parts of I-20, I-26, I-77, and I-85 as corridor ready, um, which meant that they met the criteria that Federal Highway Administration had put together to make sure that there's enough fueling along that corridor um, to call it ready. After that, uh, we were working with the uh, SCDOT to install those signs. So in the upstate region, um, I-85 was designated from Georgia to North Carolina um, for electric vehicles and compressed natural gas or CNG and I-26 was designated 
um, for propane or LPG from Spartanburg to Charleston. Um, so we were working with a, a couple different fuels. So you'll see different signs as you are in different areas of, of the upstate and across the state um, because different fuels are designated for different parts of the corridors. So those signs were installed in 2017 and they were designed to label the corridors. So to designate and show that they are corridor ready at the beginning and end points of the corridors, but not necessarily to direct motorists to where the infrastructure is. Um, that is an additional step that um, we are looking at um, with Department of Transportation, as well as, you know, states across the entire U.S. Um, are looking at how can we direct motorists to these alternative fuel stations, much like their petroleum counterparts, gasoline and diesel, and that's a um, larger feat than it sounds. Um, there's a lot of institutionalized things that are, you know, put in place for those specific signs that you would see along the interstates that point to gas stations. But we, uh, an update is we are working with Department of Transportation to do a pilot program that does not, you know, doesn't interact or interfere with anything with those logo signs along the, the interstate, but would still help to direct motorists to um, the refueling station. So we're hoping to have that installed and get some good data on that um, in the future. Great, because I hear when we, when you know, people look at electric vehicles specifically, uh, what is it called, range anxiety? People are kind of you know concerned they can't quite make their trip. So I think those kinds of signage and things would be really helpful. And I would just like to add, um, well, I can add two things. One, we're updating, currently we're updating our corridor placement plan. So every year we do an update to this report and basically we use GIS to analyze our corridors, where current infrastructure is and where these gaps are in travel, like you said, range anxiety. Um, and we try to identify areas where infrastructure would be well suited to be placed along these interstates. So look forward for that. Um, we'll put a notice in the Hubcap newsletter. Um, so if you sign up, you'll see it come through. Um, and secondly, with range anxiety, this is changing quickly. I mean, there are batteries coming out every day with um, higher energy uh, efficiencies and, and um, bigger battery packs. Um, I'll say we recently procured a Chevy Bolt. We were the first state agency to um, actually procure a state ve uh, electric vehicle for agency use. Um, but this thing has a range of almost 260 miles. Um, and we were able to do an analysis like we do for other fleets on our own fleet. And we were able to find that this is well suited for the range that we do every day. Um, for work and even for trips, we can plug in, um, say at a conference or at a, at a hotel where we're staying and get a free charge and, and get on our way. Um, so it, it's really well suited for us. Yeah, wow, that's great. I, that's, that's actually a, a fairly long trip. Um, so that's a good, that's a good range. So, uh, you know, you talked about doing fleet analysis. So uh, talk a little bit more about, you know, what do you offer to businesses? What kind of assistance can you provide if they're looking to either switch or actually considering maybe doing something different with their fleet? Yes. So we do offer assistance in the form of monetary assistance. So I'll talk a little bit about that and then let Ben um, talk about the A-fleet analysis. But we have our Energy Efficiency Revolving Loan Program which is a loan program, it is not a, a grant program, but it does help to provide a source of funding for uh, switching to alternative fuels. Um, and it can cover up to 100% of the project cost and it can be really varied in cost from $50,000 to a million dollar project. Um, and the savings should always pay back the loan. So um, the, the savings 
that you would see from either the reduced fuel costs, reduced maintenance, maintenance costs, we'll pay back the loan. Um, and then everything after that loan is paid back is kind of just money back in the, the pocket of the business. And that is administered through the Business Development Corporation, not directly through us, um, but we do have oversight for that loan program. Um, we have more information on that on our website. Um, and we also look, I know Ben, ben mentioned that we try to um, bring folks together and, and have a lot of collaboration. There are grant opportunities that come out all the time from the Department of Energy and, and Department of Transportation and other federal agencies that, that we try to work with stakeholders to um, get together a project and apply for those grants. There's also state opportunities through, you know, Department of Health and Environmental Control and, and other entities to replace vehicles. And we try to um, let people know about those opportunities when they come up and try to bring stakeholders together so that they can um, identify a project, get the um, information that they need to put together a good grant application, and um, then submit that successfully. And we've partnered on numerous grants over the year, um, over the years um, that have seen a lot of success. We're there to provide that technical assistance and, and help because we have this close tie with the Department of Energy through the Clean Cities program that uh, Palmetto Clean Fuels is a part of. So um, we're able to provide really kind of insider knowledge in some regard to what's going on and what, you know, maybe the folks at Department of Energy are, are thinking. Um, and so Benton, if you want to talk a little bit more about the, the tools that we can, we can uh, provide. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so like Landon said, the Department of Energy um, has a lot of opportunities for collaboration. They also have a lot of um, opportunities to use their tools. Um, and these are a lot of data-driven tools that were created by National Ads, so I have people a lot smarter than probably all of our brains combined. But basically one of the biggest ones we use is AFLEET, um, which is a really long acronym, but um, to keep it short and simple, it's, it's really just taking inputs of your fleet, such as miles traveled, um, fuel use, um, how much you're paying for fuel, and inputting those into this um, kind of an Excel spreadsheet, basically, and it has all these equations and it models basically um, your petroleum use, your greenhouse gas emissions, your air polluted emissions, and the cost of ownership. And you can compare these, um, compare what's already in your fleet to a new uh, fleet acquisition. So if you're looking out, if you got fleet uh, replacements already happening, this is a great way to um, just run the numbers and, and see if, I mean, it will tell you if gasoline or diesel is, is the better option for you. So it's, it's totally neutral. Um, it's just based off the data. And I don't, I don't think anything's better than just looking at data. Um, yeah, so it's, it's a really helpful tool. Um, we also have the Alternative Fuel Data Center. This is a tool that's run by the Department of Energy, but it's a really great um, place to find case studies, publications about alternative fuels. Um, there's a station locator on there as well. So if you're looking for any type of alternative fuel, you can plug in where you are um, and it'll tell you um, where those stations are near to you. Um, they are updated quarterly by the technical response service um, by the Department of Energy. So um, they reach out to them and verify that these stations are real and on the ground. Um, and additionally, this response service, if there's ever a question that um, is really getting at you about alternative fuels and you can't find the answer anywhere, uh, we can forward that question to them. And, and they're really good at, at really diving into studies and everything and pulling out the answers for us. Um, I also wanted to mention briefly, Landon talked about um, Department of Health and Environmental Control. Um, just yes, or actually this morning, um, they released DARA funds. So this is Diesel Emissions Reduction Act funds. So um, if you're a fleet and have um, old diesels, 
um, in your fleet that are, that are ripe for replacement and you want to make a switch to alternative fuels, um, you can use this funding um, to, to make that transition. And additionally, we just got approval for um, a program for um, signs for um, uh, our, our charging program called Plug NSC. And this is kind of an initiative to standardize signage around the state um, and help motorists locate uh, where charging stations are. This kind of stems out of a little study that we did a couple years back where we identified that motorists can't find charging stations because sometimes they're tucked away around corners near conduits and stuff. So we, we set out to do this incentive program. So look out for it. It will be coming out in the next couple of days, but basically it will offset the cost of, of these signs um, to help identify your charging station. Um, and we can work with you on, on the grant applications. So Eva, you have uh, sent me some information about uh, shuttles. Uh, you know, one of the ways that you know, we can reduce greenhouse gas and those kinds of things is, is to do carpools and vanpools and shuttles. Do you want to talk a little bit about your work there and then some of the other work that you've been doing? Yeah, so a lot of my shuttle research I actually conducted last summer. I was interning at a international engineering consulting firm down in Atlanta, and they put me on a project for Georgia Commute Options that wanted to lay out how shuttles and vanpools and carpooling, um, how they might be best suited to your business. It's kind of like a checklist that you run through. Say, do you guys all have the same commute time? Do a lot of your office uh, members start work at the same time or their staggered starts, stuff like that that you need to consider um, when considering a van pool or a shuttle program. And um, a lot of that research kind of showed me that clean transportation was uh, what I wanted to get involved in. And it led me to my Clean Cities uh, internship. And a lot of the projects that I've been working on here don't necessarily deal with commuter options or shuttles, but we deal a lot with seeing if EVs are appropriate for your fleet or if a natural gas vehicle is appropriate for your fleet. And like Ben was talking about earlier with a fleet, that has been my, my darling child this past year. Um, I'm in the middle of an a fleet analysis for the city of Columbia. We've got one coming up for the city of Charleston, possibly North Myrtle Beach, maybe Greenville. Um, they're really kind of popping up out of everywhere. And it's really exciting to see that some of these fleets, you do have vehicles that get driven 100 miles a year, and maybe this fleet needs to be right-sized. It's not, all of our recommendations are not, you need to switch to an electric car, you need to switch this heavy-duty vehicle to propane. It's more right-sizing your fleet, identifying fleets that have horrible mileage, um, and then also recommending alternative fuel vehicles. So that's a lot of what I'm working on right now. And then a lot with the plug-in SC incentive program, which has been said is promoting standardized EV charging signage across the state. You know, I just imagine, especially as businesses look to uh, reduce cost overall, I mean, fleet is, is such a, a kind of a low hanging fruit a lot of times, you know, it, and these organizations, a lot of them have you know, regular fleet management programs. They, they may only replace you in five vehicles a year, but if you replace those five vehicles with an alternative energy vehicle, you know, it doesn't 
take but maybe you know just a handful of years and then your entire fleet has turned over and then just the impact uh, is just really tremendous so you guys do a lot of great work and, and I just thank you for, for what you do before we close is there anything that I forgot to ask you or anything you want to mention before we go I'd like to reiterate um, about our newsletter um, the hubcap and also check us out online at palmettocleanfuels.org um, we've got a couple of webinars coming up. Um, we've had some really successful virtual events. Um, so there'll be some ride and drive, um, some vehicle demonstrations for adsorb natural gas and um, propane events coming up in, in the future here. So keep an eye out for those. Good. Very good. Well, Landon and Ben and Eva, thank you for your time. I appreciate it. And thank you again for the work that you do.